Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today we want to talk about using mindfulness to take back your life. Take it back. Ooh, so aggressive. (laughs) Well, we're going to take back our life and we're going to find the moments that we are not sick and we're going to appreciate them. Because do you ever feel like endo has totally robbed you of your life? I feel like we can hear you nodding from all the way over here. (laughs) Sometimes I look back on my life and I just see it as this giant blur of pain. Like, oh, last week it was a kidney stone. Yesterday I was in too much pain to sleep. Today it was nausea. Tomorrow I'll probably have a migraine. Because I can see the future. I already know what's in store for me. Wow. (laughs) You're divining your pain future. I like that. (laughs) Next week I'm probably going to have a trip to the ER. I just feel like in my life, looking forward and looking backwards, bad things are continuously happening. And... I know in the past it felt like there was no escape to the pain and there was no escape to the constant onslaught of painful moments and, yeah, and bad things like going to the ER or being bedridden from pain or from the migraine or throwing up in the bathroom from the nausea. It feels sad to me that I felt this way for, I'm not even going to say weeks, I'm going to say years. For years, it has felt like my life has bounced from one symptom to another, from one health crisis to another, from one moment of debilitating pain to another. And I would say since I was about 17, I began hating my life. Like That's just sad to me to hate my life and to hate everything in my life. And probably I hated myself. But I didn't consciously realize that because I always said things like this stupid body, this stupid uterus. Like I had really negative self-talk to myself and to my body. And I was depressed. I feel like it's a natural feeling to feel depressed when we're just bouncing from one moment of pain to another moment of pain and like a lot of pain, right? Not like, oh, I stubbed my toe pain. I mean, that's painful. Sure. But like hardcore debilitating pain over and over and over. And I don't know, it just made me feel like, what, it, what is the point of this? And what am I living for? Eating, sleeping, using the bathroom, sex, being alive. All of it caused pain and all the time. And so I would think constantly about how I just wanted a break. Like, I just wanted for one second, for one minute, for something to be easy instead of being this continuous struggle to feed myself and to sleep comfortably. 
they reached a point in my life where I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore. Like, how can I keep doing this day in, day out, moment after moment? I think that those feelings are something a lot of people with chronic illness experience. And if you have experienced those feelings or you're currently experiencing that same idea that Amy just expressed, we want to thank you for spending some time with us today so that we can have this conversation with you about some ways to create better habits to help those feelings get better or just become neutral. It's not easy to do and habits take a really long time to develop, especially with mindfulness. But we think it's really important to practice mindfulness in relation to our everyday lives and especially for those of us with chronic illness because there's a lot more going on in our daily lives that people aren't aware of. And so we need a lot more in order to be successful or just to get through each day. Well, mindfulness is how I got my much-needed break from my suffering And mindfulness has helped me with both the physical and the emotional side of having endo. So Amy, what is mindfulness? Well, mindfulness is something that you do with your mind. Yes, thank you. Good job. (laughs) Great definition. (laughs) Fine, you define it. You're so much smarter, all-knowing Brittany. Well, I think I would describe it as paying attention or being present within the moment that is happening or that you're experiencing. So you say that I should be present to what's happening right now. Yes. But what if I want to be lost in my thoughts? That is not being mindful. Hmm. What if I'm wishing I'm in a different moment? Like I'm wishing it's tomorrow. Well, then you're not living in the current moment and you're not being mindful. Hmm. Oh my gosh, what if I'm distracted by my phone? Bing! I got a text, bing, Instagram, bing, Facebook. Oh, gosh. I mean, fair. Phones are really distracting. But if you're trying to experience a moment, being distracted means you're not going to experience the moment. And that's not practicing mindfulness. Oh, my gosh, Brittany. You're right. It's a really simple concept, but it's really, really hard to <laughs> really, do. Really hard. How can Especially I not, in this modern age. <laughs> how can I not get pulled away by the runaway choo-choo rain of my thoughts or the alluring enticement of the bing? Of Of the comments and the texts and the calls and the notifications and the likes. Notify me. You love me. Like my photo. (laughs) We can relate. It's very difficult to not be distracted. Well, that's exactly why I said it's an easy concept, but it's really, really hard to put into practice. But if I practice, will it get easier? Absolutely. Yay. It definitely does. Okay, hold on. I'm going to practice right now. See, I'm in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> I just paid attention. I was like, I'm in the box. I'm with Brittany. There's a microphone in my face. My back hurts a little. My foot's asleep. Good Lord. I don't like this moment. <laughs> but you were in it. Well, the good thing is that science supports practicing mindfulness getting easier. Because when we practice a habit, our brain actually does a lot of the work for us by building neural pathways. So what this means is that the more you do something, like practicing mindfulness, the better the brain gets at encouraging you and allowing you to do it. So formulating those pathways is easier over time. Your brain does the work for you. And then before you know it, practicing mindfulness has become so much easier. Thanks, brain. Wow, the brain is fascinating. The brain's incredible. Thank you, brain. Just for being, you do a lot of good stuff just for, for us, being brain. there for me. <laughs> I know for me, after practicing mindfulness for about, it didn't even take that long, maybe like 
maybe about one year or less, mindfulness started to become second nature to me. And now I find it really easy to be in the moment and to practice mindfulness. When at the beginning, it was, it was really, really hard. Like I just kept getting pulled away and pulled away by all those ah, distractions. And my thoughts. I have to admit, my thoughts are just like, thoughts are going wild. (laughs) They're just like, go over here, go over there. I'm like, yes, 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 shiny, beautiful. Okay, I'll do it. They call it a flood of thoughts, literally a flood of thoughts. For me, I think practicing mindfulness has helped me get away from the pain. What I mean is it's so easy to focus on our pain. Like with endometriosis, a lot of us are living with pain every single day. We're living with different types of pain. We're living with chronic pain. We're living with low-level pain. We're living with bouts of debilitating, excruciating pain. I feel like my life has been dominated by being in pain. And most of my memories are about being in pain, which is sad, but how it is. I think it's because the pain is, it's all-encompassing. Pain is traumatic. Pain It's intense. And I think we have to teach ourselves to be in the present because it's so easy to focus on the pain that we were in in the past or the pain that we're inevitably going to be in in the future. But if we're in the present and we're not in pain, we have to notice that because if we do, then we'll be able to see the good in our lives when it appears right in front of our noses, like right in front of our faces, right in this moment. It's here. Don't miss it. I think when things get really hard, it's difficult to remember why we keep going and why it's worth it to keep going. And these little moments of mindfulness can expose those moments of beauty and those moments of good and pure happiness that often pass us by when we're distracted by other things that are much more consuming in negative ways. And even when there is a constant all-consuming pain, there are moments of beauty But it's so easy to miss them because it's so difficult to not be distracted by everything else that is consuming our flood of thoughts and our our bodies at that time. Well, in my case, I was definitely all consumed by my rage at having endometriosis. I was all consumed by my pain. I was just so blind to good things that were happening in my life because I was too exhausted too enraged and I couldn't see past the pain and my symptoms that I was suffering. So I don't want to miss any more moments. Like I don't want to miss any more little pieces of my life that are good and positive and full of joy. So I guess the question becomes, so now we've established like, yes, we want to practice mindfulness, right? At least for me, when I learned that mindfulness could help free me from my suffering, which is like sounds a little bit dramatic, but that's what it can do. It can, it can free you from this emotional turmoil and all this suffering. And so when I learned about this, I was like, yes, where do I sign up? I want mindfulness. I want to learn how to do it. I want to be mindful. So how do we do it, Brittany? How, how do we be mindful and how do we be in the moment? Because it's really hard. How do, we, how do we do it? Well, luckily, that's what we're here to talk about. So to start us off, I want to ask a question so that everyone listening can start get their thinking gears turning. Have you ever let a current experience or thought or feeling be affected by an experience or thought or feeling that you've had in the past? Oh, no, never, Brittany, never. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
no, no, no. My past never comes to haunt me in the present. And my past definitely never comes and ruins the present. You are such a liar. Okay. (laughs) So since you think you don't do this, I'm going to give you an example. And then you tell me if this applies to you or not. This may or may not have been a real-life example that happened last week. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Exposed. Don't share my secrets, Brittany. I told everyone I'm mindful. Don't blow my cover. Hey, we said it's a practice. We're not perfect. Fine. Okay. So let's say that right now in this box, you're not in pain. Well, that's not true, but yeah, sure. So let's just this, say we're pretending. We're neither using, of us are not in pain in this box. We're using our imaginations. Fine. Let's just pretend. I'm not in, in this pain. moment, you're not in pain. Oh, la, la, la. I'm not in pain. And not only are you not in pain, mm-hmm. you're enjoying yourself, which I hope is true, and having a good time, which I hope is true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. I am having a good time for the listeners. Not with Brittany, but oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Rude. She's the pain. because I'm going to expose Brittany's her. Brittany's the pain in my neck. That's <laughs> yeah. where that pain is. I'm the pain in her heart. <laughs> So instead of enjoying this moment that we're sharing with our community, you're angry that yesterday you didn't feel good and you couldn't meet your friends for a dinner party that was planned and you're feeling upset and you're thinking about how upset you were yesterday that you lost that time. Does that sound familiar to you? Are you doing that right now? I'm not having fun. I could be having fun, but I'm (laughs) too busy thinking about how the pain robbed me of an experience I should have had yesterday with my friends that I had planned in my calendar for weeks and we all were going to get together and we were going to eat dinner together and laugh and have fun and talk about the book we're reading for the book club. It sounds like you are really dwelling on that past experience. Because I didn't get to go, Brittany, and they all had fun. They were like, oh, we miss you. And they texted me little photos and they were like, this dinner's so yummy. I was like, yeah, I should have been there. But instead, I was home, curled up in a little ball in my bed, crying. Okay, mindful Amy, let's reel it in. <laughs> so instead of enjoying the moment right now. I can't. That you're having with me. I'm not. And with our community. Mirror. You're thinking about your anger and rage. Because I'm angry. And your broken heart from yesterday. My heart is in pieces. Yeah. But what that's doing is preventing you from enjoying the happiness that you could be experiencing right now. With me. I could be happy right now? You could be. Well, it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) Of course it doesn't feel like it because you're (laughs) dwelling on the past. (laughs) The blasted past is ruining my right now. Well, it's really hard to let go of how we feel about something, especially when it's affected us emotionally. And we know that pain can be really traumatic and can affect us on a really deep level. So we're not saying just dismiss your feelings. Don't feel things. Yeah, That's... dismiss them. Just don't no, feel anything. No, 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 no. You're like, I'm angry. No, I'm not. Fight <laughs> with yourself. Pretend I'm not. <laughs> I started to get angry. I slap. am. Yes, I am. I just, no, I'm not. Yes, I just I am. slap myself in the face. I'm like, I'm enraged. You're like, no, no you're, you're not. not. <laughs> like, oh, God, who's in control of my right hand? I don't know. So don't do that. Don't squash your feelings because it's important to feel your feelings and work through them. But it's also important to not let those feelings bleed over into an experience that could be really awesome, but is being affected by an experience that wasn't. You're right, Brittany. I'm here right now with Brittany, with the listeners in the podcast. Theoretically, I'm not in pain using this imagination. Yes, (laughs) I forgot what imagination is. You're in a a very, very survivable level of pain right now, okay? Compared to yesterday. Compared, yes. And so, what reason do I have to not be enjoying this moment? I'm in a moment right now where I'm using my imagination. I'm in a moment right now where I'm not in pain. That is as rare as a diamond in the rough. That's as scarce 
who scares. Also, FYI, <laughs> diamonds are not very rare. So it's a very bad analogy. <laughs> that's as scarce as a hen's teeth. Okay, that's rare because, like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I heard someone use it the other day. That's I mean, a very American I, I phrase. To, I had to Google it, and it, it means that it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, I think it's a very old, like, northeastern or southern Back American phrase. Back when everyone phrase. had hens in their backyards. Yeah, so if you have yeah. a phrase like that, like, in your country, let us know because those phrases are so interesting. I guess like, colloquial phrases. did not have a lot of teeth. Do they even have Well, teeth? they're very scarce. <laughs> Maybe occasionally a hen has a tooth. That's Oh, I wonder what he gets. I wonder what he gets from the tooth fairy for it. <laughs> a piece of corn. <laughs> so the point is, I'm in a rare moment where I'm not in pain, and I should take advantage of that and enjoy myself instead of feeling disappointed that yesterday I couldn't do something because I was in so much pain. Because ultimately, I mean, at least I know in my case, like, what do I always say all the time? I wish I wasn't in pain. I wish my life wasn't so painful. I wish I didn't have so much pain. Then I get a moment. This I get a hen's tooth made Ooh. of gold. Oh, <laughs> luxury. <laughs> With a rare moment, shiny diamond where I'm not in pain. All I've been saying, I don't want to be in pain. Don't I get that moment. And I'm like, I don't even notice because yesterday I was in pain. Yesterday I was in pain. Right? I mean, it's kind of, when I think about it, it's like a little silly on my brain's part. Not me. Because your brain does my to brain, you. my my <laughs> awesome brain. Your brain likes to bring up the past. My brain likes to get stuck in the trauma and dwell on it. It's like this was negative. Stay there, stay there. I'm like, I don't want to stay there. I want to move forward. So I'm going to use mindfulness. I'm going to move forward and be like, I'm here right now, and I'm in no pain. So I'm going to acknowledge this moment and clap and be happy <laughs> and enjoy it and laugh. And eat cheese. No, 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 no. Then pain will come. Because then you'll be in pain in five minutes. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to imagine eating it. Fair. Actually, our theoretical example brings up a real example that would occur in my past. And so I had really bad fibromyalgia pain since, I don't know, I was like 17. Yay. Thank you, endometriosis and inflammation. And sleeping has been an absolute torture for me. I hated sleeping. I hated laying in the bed. I hated, just hated everything about it. And Isn't that like the opposite of a usual teenager's experience? Yeah. And they like sleep for like 24 hours. You would never catch me. <laughs> Literally the moment that I would wake up, I would, my whole body would be on, I would wake up with my body on fire and I would race out of that bed as if the bed was on fire itself because I was like, I'm not, I needed to move around to get rid of the stiffness. And mm -hmm. I was like, I am not laying one more lousy second in that bed. Torture device. Because I literally hate that bed. So during this time with my ex-boyfriend, he loved cuddling, as many people do. And I liked cuddling. No, not at all. I hated cuddling. <laughs> Don't touch me. Everything hurts. You like caress my arm. I scream in pain. Don't love it. Yeah, it's it's hard to have endo because the inflammation really does upregulate the central nervous system and it can make us so sensitive to any kind of touch or stimulation. And so, yeah, it was horrible. I never wanted my boyfriend to hold my hand because that felt painful. I didn't want him to caress my arm or my leg because, again, that felt really painful. He loved cuddling, and I never wanted to cuddle. I was like, here's a big body pillow. Cuddle it. <laughs> cuddle that. Put Think my face on me. it. I'll be sitting 
really close to you. <laughs> Maybe I'll rub your back, but don't you dare <laughs> in your life touch my back. Definitely don't touch the side of my arm because that is the worst spot. Oh, yeah. Definitely don't touch my inner thigh. And just, you know what, just, just, just don't touch me. me. Just don't <laughs> do it. Just don't come near me. Don't touch me. Don't pass go. Just don't do it. Relationships can be hard when you have endometriosis. <laughs> and if you have that, like, extra sensitive It's touch, real. It's First real. Of all, it's yeah, real. It's not made up. That's totally 100% real. People are like, oh, I touched your arm and you screamed out like I knifed you. It can't you. be that bad. No, it literally feels like you're putting fire on my arm. <laughs> it is that bad. My central nervous system interpreted your soft caress as being slashed. As jagged knife wounds. <laughs> so don't touch me. But it, it was really hard for him and for me because, of course, who doesn't want to be cuddled? I mean, me. But, like, theoretically, I wanted to be cuddled. And some moments, some mornings, I would wake up. The rare morning, again, the hen's tooth, I would wake up and my body wouldn't be on fire. And in that moment, instead of running and leaping out of bed, as I always did, leaving my boyfriend, like he would wake up and like, you know, he touched the pillow. You're like all half where, asleep. Where and you is she? You're like, where is she? I'm like, I'm gone, baby. I've been up for three hours. <laughs> I've been it's doing, 9 a.m. <laughs> I've been doing yoga and using a foam roller and doing everything I can to try to make this pain go down. While you were snoring away happily, honey. <laughs> I hope you had a really nice rest. <laughs> or do I? Or do I? I'm slightly jealous. <laughs> Anyways, I woke up. I would wake up and I wouldn't have any pain and I would roll over and I would fulfill our dreams where we would be able to just be in close proximity to one Cuddle <laughs> like regular people do for, I don't know, like 20 minutes or something because too much. Because after that, that's too yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> then the pain builds and I can't. <laughs> slow it down, you know? and. You would think that in those moments, those beautiful moments that I got to share that I never got to share with my boyfriend, do you think I was enjoying the moment? No. No. The whole time my mind was furious, so angry, thinking about, well, this isn't fair. Well, how come I don't always feel like this? How come I never get to have moments like this with my boyfriend? How come I always have to be in pain? Um, hello, you just said, how come I never get moments like this? You're in you're a moment. One. You're in a moment. You're having one right now. You're, you're missing it. You're missing it. So mindfulness has been really key for me to stop dwelling on my pain. Like, yes, I'm in pain a lot, like a lot. But if we get a moment where we're not in pain, let's live that moment. Let's actually be present in that moment and enjoy whatever we're doing. And for me, that's been really important to practice mindfulness, to learn how to be emotionally present to the moment that I'm in and not miss that moment. Because although I was there physically and we were cuddling and we had our arms wrapped around each other and it was beautiful, I wasn't really there. I missed my precious, pain-free moment with the person that I love because I was so busy obsessing and lamenting and wishing and wanting and feeling furious. All in my head, I didn't say anything out loud to him. So also, he was like oblivious <laughs> to the hell that this I was. This seems great. And you're like, like oh, there are, there's my girlfriend smiling. And I'm, and I'm all like, why is that? You're twitching happen? and raging. Oh, <laughs> this is only going to last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so learning to be here 
instead of being in the past, that's been vital for me to start having more joy in my life. So thinking of the past aren't the only thoughts that are ruiners of the present. Oh, God, there's more? There's more. Oh, gee, how many are there? Probably infinite. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll focus on some big ones. So this next one, my question is, have you ever been experiencing a moment or a thought or a feeling and you're thinking about how in the future you're probably going to experience a situation or a thought or a feeling that's not going to be good? Probably. I think most people have had that. I've never had that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm always in the present. (laughs) As we previously established, I live in the present. Well, let me tell you a story, and then you can tell me if this has ever happened to you. So let me set for you now an illustration of the literary variety. (laughs) Okay, so imagine you're feeling great. You're just past ovulation but not right in that pre-period hell phase. So it's like that sweet spot, that like golden days. Oh, God, I'm smooth sailing. I feel it. Life is beautiful. I'm symptom free as long as I don't not get enough sleep or not do my exercise or stray from my diet or have stress. So, you know, like relatively, but it's that that golden window. I'm on the edge of the cliff, but I haven't fallen off. Yeah, you can see like the pit of despair at the bottom, but you're like, (laughs) hey, I don't even like, I'm not even at the edge yet. We're just like strolling along. Please don't let there be a strong gust of wind that throws (laughs) me to the bottom. So right now you just see the beautiful sunset and everything's perfect. It's that golden window. But then. Oh, Lord. Over the horizon. In the next week, your period is coming. No! It's lurking. Sorry, mine is coming. So that was a real life reaction. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I got a little out of control. Oh, God. It's actually coming. Okay, whoa. So I bet you start feeling the anxiety. I am, Brittany. I'm and the dread. I'm sweating. Oh, it's hot in here. It's hot in here because it's like hot, but also your dread. I know, I'm really hot. Oh, your fear. I didn't know a person could sweat this much. <laughs> Sweating buckets. Knowing what's in store for you no. when Red Dragon lands. <laughs> Fire in my abdomen. Please, no. It's very hard to enjoy that beautiful sunset lit cliff walk where there's no pain or relatively low pain. And you're just having a beautiful moment. It's very hard to enjoy that beautiful moment when you're busy thinking about up ahead. Next week, I'm going to have a horrendous, all-consuming, debilitating pain experience. The precipice that I'm about to be pushed off of by Red Dragon's tail. But you're not even there yet. I am. You're not at the precipice yet. I am in my mind. In your mind, but not physically. You're a week ahead in your mind, which is causing stress on your body which is actually going to cause you to have some pre-period symptoms earlier than expected. How cruel. Oh, God. That's not, just unfair. Not that. <laughs> so that's, that's the difficult part is also thinking about the future can cause us to miss out on the beautiful moment we're experiencing now. That was an excellent story that you just told, Brittany. Did you relate, even though you said you wouldn't? Yeah. I think you did. I think I'm, li- I'm living that story right now. I have a big problem, and I feel like a lot of us have this problem, so I'm not alone. No, you're never alone. Oh, thank God. Not anymore. You have all of our listeners. Well, thank you guys. I would love to know if anyone else has a big problem 
worrying about the future and instead of being present to the moment that we're in. Like I pre-live my fears of the future, which most often time don't come true, but it's great because I live them in my head anyway and I act out the situation as if they've totally come true and I make myself feel really upset. And I can plan for all the scenarios. (laughs) Yeah, I relate to that. (laughs) And sometimes you don't even plan for the scenarios. You're just like, oh my God, this is going to happen. And you feel the gloom and doom and the anxiety. Go through this process or you feel the anxiety and the dread. And the pressure. And then it didn't happen. Like, I'll give you an example that maybe a lot of us have felt was before my excision surgery. And I think this is kind of normal because anything that's really out of our control. So we go there and then they operate on us and then we're, we wake up and it feels really, it feels really terrifying. But for me, it felt doubly terrifying because I wasn't in control of the situation. I definitely was not going to operate on myself. <laughs> You're like, okay, let me just scalpel, please. Just let me put a little mirror up. We'll get the angles right. You can use the Da Vinci robot. It'll be fine. <laughs> I felt a lot of fear before the surgery, and I was afraid of if I was going to have complications, and I was afraid of the shoulder pain that I imagined that I would be in, which actually wasn't even that bad. The first surgery, the shoulder pain was bad. Every time I sat up, I actually got nauseous for about nine days. It lasted really long. But in the second surgery, they did a really good job getting all that air out of my abdomen, and I didn't even have any shoulder pain more than like one day. But because of my past experience, I feared that I would have the same experience as the first surgery. So I was already feeling afraid of that shoulder pain. I was dreading the bowel prep. And so like three or four days before I was going to have to take the laxative and do the bowel prep, i.e. sitting on the toilet crapping for about seven hours, I was already thinking about that. And I was already dreading that and feeling that knot in my stomach and feeling that anxiety. Wait, you you had dread? That sounds so glamorous to me, sitting on the toilet, pooing for nine hours. <laughs> it was, it's pretty glamorous when you do it watching Grey's Anatomy for oh, okay, seven yeah. hours. Yeah, just, you know, have your laptop there, Wait, but looking at the TV. <laughs> that one was glamorous because that one I did on a Sunday. Though for the first surgery, I did bowel pepper on a Sunday because I had my surgery on a Monday. But the second surgery, I had my surgery on a... Do you remember? Was it a Friday? I, I think remember. so. I think it was a but Friday. But the point is, I did bowel prep on a work day. Yeah, that was rough. So I actually <laughs> worked from home while on the toilet doing bowel prep. So it was not as enjoyable no. as watching seven hours of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> it was seven hours of answering emails. While glued to the toilet. And taking phone calls. <laughs> wow, <In> between, risky. <laughs> yeah. You hear the gas come out, you just like hang up. You're like, oh, our connection Mute. got cut. I was like, oh, I, I think something happened. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. It looked like it muted for some reason. I'm back. Oh, it's, oh I'm fine. Oh, wait, wait, mute again, mute again. Like, God, we have a really shoddy connection. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, the we internet's real, not great here. We really have a terrible connection. We, we really do. So it's really hard because why are we pre-living our fears oftentimes, which don't even come true, and we're pre-living them? So we have our, like, imagined fears and then potentially the real fear happening or not. It's just, it's so ridiculous when you think about it, right? It's just so silly of my mind and my thoughts to take me to the future hell that I'm not even going to end up being in probably. 
So I came up with this little thing where every time I went to the future, the imaginary future in my mind. I was like, wait, you were a time traveler? <laughs> I went to the me? future. <laughs> and in the future, I found out that I still had endo and uh, I was very upset no by it. No one's shocked by that. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> All this time travel, I do quantum physics and this is what I get. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I have to go farther in the future when they found a cure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know when that will be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, what will be around when, when the gear is found. It's all up in the air. So I, for the surgery, I went to the beach because I love, like, the ocean is just very soothing for me. And so I went to the beach and I found myself thinking about the surgery and, you know, then I was imagining. Because you really take it really far, right? And it's oh, not yeah. Just you like, do a whole scenario in yeah, your head. Yeah, you, like, imagine yourself getting wheeled into the surgery, and then they're putting you to sleep, and you're counting backwards. And, like, I'm it, having anxiety right now. I don't even have <laughs> surgery. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Brittany. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Back to the moment. Back to the moment. Okay. Well, and so then I would be like, hello, you're on the beach, mind. Like, seriously, if, the, okay, if you were going to do, if you were in quote unquote, in surgery, which is where my mind says I am right now. My mind's like, you're in surgery. You're in the LR. It's pretty unsanitary. You're on the beach. There's sand everywhere. Sand flying around. Salt water. Yeah. It's humid. Animals and bacteria. I'm sorry. That's that's not not very sterile. Mm -mm. Yeah. The risk of complication would actually be very high if they were to operate on me on the beach, which is why. Probably also like not ethical. So like that's (laughs) not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. So why am I not on the beach enjoying my moment on the beach? Why am I in my imaginary operating room where everything's going wrong? Oh, newsflash. Nothing went wrong in the surgery. The surgery was excellent. My excellent excision surgeon did an excellent job. Just want to see how many times I use the word excellent. Take that, scumbag brain. (laughs) (laughs) So I can speak from personal experience about how my brain being in the future and not in the present with my body has been rude to myself. So when I was getting married, my period was supposed to come the day after my mini honeymoon was going to end. So I was really stressed (laughs) that it was going to come during my wedding. During the preparations, during the honeymoon, I was consumed while I was supposed to be. She was mega stressed. I was. I was there. She was (laughs) was mega stressed. Which I understand because I was also consumed because my period (laughs) was going to come during the wedding too. So I was freaking (laughs) out because I was supposed to be a bridesmaid. So I was with her. No one was help- – we were both feeding each other the yes. feet of the it was, fire. It was little, we, we were yeah. not helping each other. We, <laughs> we need, have learned from this We experience. needed to be separated in that moment. <laughs> it's like, my period's going to come. Like, my too. Oh, my God. Let's hold hands and cry together and light we'll ourselves. Keep our uteruses separate because then it'll make each other come. light ourselves on fire. <laughs> it'll feel the same. So I remember, like, thinking – It'll be over sooner. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember being so consumed by this fear that it was going to come. And instead of enjoying these beautiful moments that I was sharing, I was thinking about, ooh, is that a cramp? Is that a, is that back cramp mean that my period's about to come? Oh, during the wedding? Yeah. Now you're, now you're talking yes. about now, at the wedding. Yeah. Now at the wedding, I'd say, oh, that I had a little back cramp. Does that mean in my beautiful white dress that <laughs> my period was coming? I had even put a pad on just to be safe. Like I was super paranoid about it. And I remember I was dancing. I was having such a good time. And then I kind of like stopped for a moment and my back kind of spasmed. And I was like, I wish this would just be over so that I can sit down and go to the bathroom and make sure that I don't stay in my dress in front of everybody. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm at my own wedding. And I was just thinking that I wanted it to be over so that I could check to make sure I didn't have my period, which I didn't have. And luckily, I had already been starting to practice some mindfulness. So I was able to catch that and go, no, oh, that's ridiculous. And be like, no, we're going to, we need to stop right now because I was letting one of the most important and beautiful experiences of my life be affected by dreading about the future. And guess what? My period didn't even come until the day after my honeymoon, like it was supposed to. So all that dread, all that worry was for nothing. And I had to really force myself to stop having anxiety and that pre-dread, pre-fear about my period coming so that I could experience one of the most beautiful and joyful moments of my life. But it can pop up even in these wonderful moments. And it's really important. I feel like that's when it really pops up. Yeah, it really does because you're like, I'm having such a great time. And then your brain's like, sabotage. Ruin it. (laughs) You shouldn't be having fun. You're like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I, I felt really lucky that I had already begun, just barely begun, practicing mindfulness enough that I caught myself and was able to dismiss that thought. And then I was able to continue the night and I had to really focus on ignoring that part of my brain that wanted to sabotage my wedding and everything went fine. All right, Brittany, beautiful sob story there, et cetera. (laughs) Just kidding. Sob story says the queen of sob stories. (laughs) Walk in my shadow, please. (laughs) So, okay. No, that's very relatable. And here's what I want to know. You were worried about your period coming. Mm-hmm. Was worrying about it going to prevent it from happening? No, it probably would have made it come sooner. Okay, my next question. If it were to come, if your period were to come during your wedding and stain your beautiful dress, did worrying about it, <laughs> did that worrying about it make it better or worse? Or did it just not leave it unaffected how awful it would have been? Thinking about it beforehand probably would have made it worse because I'd have been so angry at myself. And I would have judged myself. So it wouldn't have helped me to deal with the issue. I would have just had more anger and upset emotions because I had worried about it for so long. Well, Anne, I think that's the key right there. You already did have more anger and upset emotions. And potentially it was encroaching on ruining the most beautiful day of your life. Because you were really busy worrying about it and thinking about it and obsessing about it instead of being in the moment and and dancing and and being with your family and and with your husband. So I think we've come to the conclusion that worrying about it doesn't make it any better. Doesn't do better. (laughs) In fact, it only makes it worse. It only makes it worse to worry about something. Dismissing those thoughts when they come is very important because thinking about them just kind of digs down that rabbit hole and you go into a spiral. And the deeper that spiral gets, the harder it is to let it go. And ultimately, if something were, if you were to get your period at the wedding, or in my case, if I was to have a complication during surgery and, you know, wake up and something had gone wrong, us worrying about it in the past, it wouldn't affect the outcome. Yeah, and it wouldn't alleviate the situation. What nope. is going to alleviate the situation is is us in that moment having the calm, balanced mind to take action to fix the problem. In your case, you would run to the bathroom, change your pad, put in a super pad, maybe a tampon <laughs> and a diva cup. All, a bunch please, of stuff. Please don't do that, people. Yeah, that's you, unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic shock syndrome is real. Use one at a time. 
And yeah, and you would have, I don't know, washed your dress or changed your clothes and you would have popped a painkiller and you would have gone back out there and you would have had fun. So it wouldn't have been as dreadful as the mind makes it. Or maybe it would have. I don't know. Everyone would have. <laughs> everyone, all your family and friends, they would have all started pointing at you and laughing and chanting. Likely not. Britney, red butt. Britney, red butt. That's traumatizing. I bled, out, I bled out of my bed a lot when I was a teenager. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you that. Britney, red butt. But it probably. But it's true. It would not have changed like how I felt about no. the situation. And if we can go into the situation calm instead of worried, we're going to have more control if something does go wrong to be able to deal with it. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, when things go wrong, we we have to deal with them. That's how we make them better is is by finding solutions for it. And how do we find solutions when we're mentally collapsed? Yeah, and I feel like when you've been worrying about something and a situation comes up, you spend a lot of time kicking yourself while you're down. Whereas opposed to not worrying about something or dismissing the worries and saying, it's going to be fine. We're not going to focus our energies on this. If the situation does happen, you're already in a better mind space to deal with it. So you've set yourself up for success by not thinking about the past or the future and being mindful in the present. All right. So we've established, again, that we want to keep our thoughts in the present because there's a lot of benefits to having our thoughts in the present. A lot. Yes. Okay. How do I keep bringing my thoughts to the present? Because they just want to go to the past. They want to go to the future. They want to go to the past. They want to go to the future. They want to go to the future. They want to go farther in the future. They want to go in the past. They want to go to the future. They want to go far away in the past. They want to go to a past life of mine. They want to go to a future life of mine. Well, they don't often go there, but they could because <laughs> they want to go everywhere. They just don't want to be in the present. I'm so dizzy. <laughs> I think that the number one thing to start practicing in order to practice mindfulness is to sit with your own thoughts. And a really good way to do that is to start meditating. Oh, I know. Oh, Brittany, everyone says meditation. <laughs> I know. Why? Oh, start meditating. Oh, start meditating. That's where I started. Me and too. I love it. I know. Start and I meditating. felt at the time I was like, Med- really? Meditation? I'm going to just chant and sit there in like lotus position. Like, not going to happen. I'm sorry. I never sit. I usually lay. <laughs> first of all, I usually lay down. I like to lay as well. Because... I'm sorry, sitting is uncomfortable when, in general. And when you have endo that lower back. in your rectum, <laughs> yeah. like I do, while well, sitting can be really hard. Yes. <laughs> Especially for a long period of time. I mean, I sit in this box on a pillow, so <laughs> I can't relate. Preach. <laughs> so I, I think meditation, as, like, as it sounds, it doesn't have to be like, like we were just saying, that stereotypical, like, hands on your knees, lotus position, humming. Like, that's every style of meditation is different. There's so many different styles and there's so many different ways you can meditate within that style. And it doesn't have to be super formal. It can be more casual. But the purpose of practicing meditation with this is that it gets you to sit in your thoughts and it gets you to be one with the present moment, the way your body's feeling, the way your brain is going. It teaches you to dismiss those thoughts so that you can concentrate on what you're doing. So it is really effective for this. And I would say that even Though I had just started my mindfulness practice about two months before my wedding, even that very short amount of time had enabled me to dismiss that angry, mean thought my evil brain was trying to do to me in only such a short period of time. So results can be achieved pretty quickly. Well, science is showing that, that you only need a few minutes of meditation every day to have results. And it's better to do five minutes every day than to do, I don't know, like 
30 minutes once a week? Yeah, or two hours on a Saturday. It's just better to get that habit where you do it every day. I can't wait for the day when meditation is seen as being really mainstream. Cool. Yeah, and being like really cool. Like, oh, you're so cool because you meditate, not like. I think in California, you might be cool. <laughs> okay. California's doing it right, okay? Okay, well, where we live, it's not seen as cool. Not as cool. But there are just, there are so many ways to learn. Like, there are so many YouTube videos and apps, and you can even do moving meditation. So, I'm really into Qigong and I'm really into yoga and I've mentioned that in the past, but it's because they've been life-changing for me, like so life-changing. And the thing about meditation is it's not about not thinking. All it is is about bringing your thoughts back, like that train starts to run away, like the choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> and all you do is you put the train back on the track to the present moment. So you're always going to be like, we're always going to be thinking. You don't just go and you're, like, spaced My out. My brain is blank. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you just learn to take control back of your brain. Like, you can do it anywhere. It is nice when you make a special spot and you make, a, like, a ritual and a routine. Because, I, I don't know, I think as humans we, we crave that and that's really nice. But also you can do it anywhere. You're in the car and you have a 10-minute commute. Turn off the music. Turn off the podcast. <laughs> Not if you're listening yeah. to us. I mean. <laughs> Then say meditation for another time. <laughs> Let's be real. But, you know, turn it off and then just concentrate on your breath. And when you start to think about that guy that just cut you off, just be like, hey, I don't need to think about that. I'm focusing on my breath. And you just keep bringing yourself back to your breath. That's all meditation is, is just coming back to the present and being like, oh, my thoughts ran away. Come back, you silly thoughts. <laughs> it's like when you're herding sheep. I've never done that. but. You know, you have this sheepdog and the sheep start to go out of line. They start to go in the place and the sheepdog runs and he's like, ruff, ruff, get, get back in, in place. And they're like, okay. And they all get back in like their little group. That's what meditation is. It's herding the sheep of your mind. And the more you do it, the easier it gets to do it in situations where it's like, I need an emergency meditation. <laughs> like right before I walked down the aisle, I needed an emergency meditation. So I was able to sit alone in a room with my own thoughts and center myself. And then I was able to enjoy myself. So the more you do it, the more you can do it like on the go in stressful situations or in places that are a little atypical. So that everyday practice, like Amy was saying, is really important to establish that routine versus just doing it sporadically. That's true. The morning before my surgery, I meditated for like emergency meditation session for three hours. Seriously, <laughs> I, I had a, like I was having trouble sleeping because I was feeling really scared. And I woke up at six. My mom was already there. My mom doesn't meditate or do anything, but she's not judgmental. So she wasn't all like, what are you doing? You're a freak. <laughs> as some people. That was me. As some, <laughs> as some people might say. But yeah, I woke up and I just put on, I was like, oh my God, I can't I have to chant or something. I have to do something like active because I was freaking out. Put on some chanting and I just sat chanting for like three hours hours and my mom's like okay it's time Brittany's on her way to bring you to the surgery and I was like okay <laughs> chanting in the back seat rocking back and forth <laughs> she was <laughs> but it worked because I made it because I wanted to run away screaming from the hospital yeah. but I didn't and it helps distract yourself from those building anxieties because you have to focus on your breathing you can't focus on two things at once it's really hard Multitasking is not real. It's not real. It's Single not tasking yes. is the new multitasking. The better tasking. <laughs> well, and so mindfulness also helped me get out of the prison of the rules that have governed my existence for the past 10 years. 
it really helped me when I started to put in place healthy habits that helped to alleviate my symptoms. And there are habits that did give me a break from, from my suffering. Like it really did cut down on my levels of pain. And I had a lot more days that were pain-free. But it still mentally taxed me. I abhorred cooking. I mean, who likes cooking? Does anyone? Chefs. Does anyone like cooking? I think chefs do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because I hate cooking. I found exercise boring. Like, so boring. Like, please don't make me have to go do exercise. And meditation made me want to scream at first, which is kind of going against what meditation is because it's like a say, it feels very opposite it's of like the a purpose. silent thing <laughs> that you do. You shouldn't be screaming while you're <laughs> meditating. You're like, oh, but like, ah! <laughs> so even when I put in habits to get somewhat of a physical break, because in my case, I certainly did not have like a 360 turnaround. Yes, it helped alleviate a lot of the symptoms, but I didn't feel some people put in these habits and they they really feel better. But I felt partially better, which was still good. It was still good, but not all the way. And lifestyle changes aren't a cure for endometriosis. So it makes sense that it's not going to make everything go away completely. Well, and the problem is that when I put in those healthy habits, it's like, oh, yay, now I have these habits, but now I'm a slave to my habits that I have to follow in order to somewhat alleviate my physical symptoms. So have any maintenance. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, it's exhausting. When I cooked, I just thought the whole time, I hate cooking. I hate this. I just want this to be over. This is terrible. This is awful. And when I learned about mindfulness, I learned. Like what you said, like you can distract yourself from the, not distract yourself from the way that you're feeling, but you can focus on a different feeling. And another component of mindfulness is to be non-judgmental with what you're feeling or with the moment that you're in. So part of that, it was telling myself like, okay, you're just cooking. Like cooking is not good. It's not bad. It's not, I hate cooking. I want this to be over. Like it's just a moment where you're cooking. I mean, when you say it like that, when if someone's observing, they're like, oh, she's cooking. They're not in like my mental hell where I'm thinking about, oh, I hate this and I always have to cook and oh, the cooking and it burns. Such this. a burden. Yeah. Like all that mental anguish that I created <laughs> for myself. Right. And so bringing myself back to the moment and just saying, hey, calm down. Be here. Be now. <laughs> You're cooking. It's okay. And I think that helped take the pressure off of myself, off of cooking faster, getting done faster. And it also helped me realize that it really wasn't as bad as I had villainized cooking to be. I don't know. I started paying attention. This is pre-kitty before I had anything soft to pet. I realized that when you touch flour, like if, if you put your hand in coconut flour, It is so soft. So silky and velvety. It feels like a bunny rabbit. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're touching a bunny rabbit's tail. Are their tails soft? Yes, but I like their ears better. (laughs) I don't know if I actually touched a bunny rabbit. Animal ears are the softest part of an animal. Like right behind the ear where it connects to the head. Ooh, that's the sweet spot. (laughs) Oh. So you see, if I hadn't been in the moment, I wouldn't have been petting a bunny rabbit when I made my blueberry pie with coconut flour crust. Missed that bunny moment. (laughs) 
being in the moment, I, I really began to experience cooking, like the fullest experience of cooking. And I started noticing, I don't know. I mean, actually, when you chop on the chopping board, it's kind of soothing. Like, it's a satisfying a, sound. Yeah, there's a rhythm. It's, it's soothing. And you watch your vegetable become all these small little pieces. And I like the sizzle of the pan, right? When it's frying my meat, I'm like, ooh, my meat's frying. Or onion sizzle. Ooh, that's oh, such a good sound. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the smell of all the spices. Like when you put cumin on your food. I know you don't like cumin, but I, <laughs> if a person loves cumin, then you, if you love cumin, then you know. Like the For smell me, it's of garlic. Okay, wait. The what smell about... of garlic in a saute pan. Oh, my Italian the, heart sings. <laughs> or the smell of cinnamon. Oh, yeah. Mm. That smells like Christmas. <laughs> Lamb tagine. Oh, I like all the tagine And spices. cumin. Yeah, baby. Go get it. <laughs> And also just that feeling, instead of hating cooking, it's like as I cook my food and I watch my Tupperwares fill up, that feeling of accomplishment and of satisfaction that I'm taking care of myself, I have food for the week, that's a great feeling. And I was missing all of those things when I wasn't being mindful, when I was just trapped in my thoughts thinking about how much I hated cooking. So I still don't love cooking. I'm not going to lie. It's not like I did my, like I meditated a little bit. We're not like master bit. chefs now and after then I, meditation. <laughs> I became mindful and now I'm on Netflix and some show. With, but gonna... we still wouldn't like cooking, even if we had a cooking show. <laughs> Maybe if you paid me a lot of money, I could like cooking. I could slap a smile on my face for it, for sure. <laughs> but probably, but not then. But the point is with mindfulness, okay, so I didn't start loving cooking, but I became neutral to cooking. I stopped hating cooking and I found little pockets of joy within the whole experience of cooking. And I think that's what mindfulness is about. It's just there are so many little experiences that we can have inside of one big experience, but often we just see that like the overarching big experience, oh, I'm cooking. And we're missing all these little moments, these little seconds of our lives. They're like little seconds of joy. It's just so funny. I think about how different things are now that I've learned to slow down and to be in the moment and to practice mindfulness compared to the past. Because for so many years, I would say to people that being sick robbed me of so much of my life. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but I just feel like having endo has vitally robbed me of so many things and of so many years of my life I've just spent in this blur of pain. It felt like everyone around me was choosing their major, going to prom, getting a job, going on dates. Like everyone around me was enjoying themselves and I felt like I was stuck in bed or stuck on the toilet, starting commitments that I would later quit, you know, quitting everything and crying and suffering. And cursing the pain and wishing that I wasn't in pain and wishing that I was healthy. And I think learning to practice mindfulness has taught me that looking back on my life now, I can see that, yes, yes, it is true, yes, that there have been a lot of absolutely horrifying, wretched, terrible, traumatic, awful, debilitating Wow, are you a thesaurus today? <laughs> all your adjectives. I'm just from. I'm just from. I'm remembering all the moments. I mean, there. I mean, because I feel like bad. There have been a lot of bad moments. Like it doesn't say anything. That's not encompassing <laughs> everything that I want to say. There have been a lot of. We'll go with truly awful. 
There have been soul crushing, despairing moments. <laughs> there have been a lot of really bad moments. Like having Endo has led to some truly unbearable moments that we've had to get through. But I realize now I also went to college. I also chose a major. I also went on dates. I also finally, after I felt a little better, got a job. <laughs> after like five years of not having one in my 20s, I finally got a job. And I also had a lot of fun. When I look back at my photos of my 20s, I can see myself smiling. Sometimes a fake smile, but sometimes the real smile. And I have a lot of memories of my past where I was traveling or I was with the person that I love or I was laughing and having fun. So mindfulness has helped me see that my life is not lacking happy moments. All the happy moments have been there all along, but maybe I didn't know how to recognize them. And I think that I was putting so much emphasis on being sick because endo can be so all-encompassing, this whole body inflammatory disease that it is. It, it can, it just, it can take over us physically and mentally, I feel like. Yeah, it saturates every part of your life. And because of that, I... I couldn't see the good moments. And I feel like I was really focused on what I could not do, which was a lot. I mean, let's be real. Like, can't eat this food. Can't stay up late. Can't miss this thing. I've been so focused on all the things that I cannot do that I, that I haven't focused on the things that I can do. And while that list might be shorter, there are things that I can do. And I've been so focused on my pain that I haven't seen the moments where I'm not in pain. So you know what, Brittany? What, Amy? I don't want to miss any more moments. I don't want to miss them anymore. I'm just, I'm, I've already missed so many moments because I haven't been in the present. Like, I don't want to miss any more moments of my life. There are moments where I'm not in pain and I want to live in those moments fully. I want to revel in them. I'm going to go get a motorcycle. Oh, my. No. <laughs> That's one step too far. <laughs> I'm going to drive around the cliff. <laughs> oh, do donuts on the cliff. <laughs> In your face, Cliff. You're not pushing me off today. <laughs> That's tomorrow. But not right now. <laughs> I'm going to get that punk haircut I always wanted to get. Oh, wow. We're doing a whole evolution right now. <laughs> I think something we are also want to do as humans is especially in our American culture, and I know other cultures of other listeners are also similar to this, where everything is busy, 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 go, go, go from one thing to the next. And we miss hustle, out. bustle. Yeah, I basically. I just wanted to say that. Hus- I never <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Hustle, bustle. Good job. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> the hustle and bustle of everyday life is so fast paced and it's so filled with I have to do this thing, then on to the next thing, then on to the next thing that it's hard to also stop and appreciate these small moments, these small little conversations we have with someone that brings us joy, these small experiences that we have. Sometimes it can feel like the time spent between two tasks is a waste of time, but I often find that that time between two tasks is the time where I can experience most relaxation and joy. And when I'm not thinking while I'm walking from one meeting, while I have an hour in between to the next meeting I have to do, instead of thinking about that next meeting when I've already prepped and there's nothing more that I can do, 
that I take some moments to recenter myself instead of thinking about the next thing, thinking about the, how the previous thing went, and I'm rehashing, I'm getting myself worked up into this anxiety state. Instead, I could be just appreciating that I'm now sitting outside on my lunch break and the birds are chirping and it's a perfect temperature for me, 65 degrees, and it's beautiful out. And I'm missing that because all I'm doing is in my head thinking about the next thing I have to do. So sometimes those in-between moments for us may feel wasteful or useless or, you know, we just have to rush, rush, rush. But if you're struggling to find joy, I would first look to those down moments where you're not performing a task because sometimes being mindful while performing a task can be really hard. So I liked to start with those moments in between where I wasn't doing a task and teaching myself to just be present in those moments and not let my brain derail me into wherever it wanted me to go. Well, I love that. I think what you said about noticing the pause and noticing the downtime in between the tasks, and I think that's something that we can apply back to living with a chronic illness. But instead of noticing the downtime between tasks, is noticing the little breaks that we get in being sick, noticing the little breaks that we get in in our pain, noticing the relief that we have at times when there is no pain and not missing those key moments. We hope that this episode has given you a bit of an overview about what mindfulness is, why it might be useful to you, how it can help you find more joy in your life, more meaning, more gratitude. And I think studies are indeed showing that with just a few minutes of mindfulness or meditation a day, you can enjoy your life more. (laughs) And I want to enjoy my life more. (laughs) The boat is leaving the harbor. Like, jump on this boat. You'll enjoy your life more. I'm like, yes. The the boat's too far away. And it's like all these sharks. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to make it anyway. I'm going to make it. Like, I want to enjoy my life more. Endo, having endo is so hard and it's so exhausting and it's just so mentally taxing. And any way that I can find to have a little bit more joy and more happiness and those little tiny breaks from my suffering, that's so worth it to me. And Amy and I want you to find joy and to find happiness. That's ultimately what we want. And well, like we said, meditation can be a weird place to start. It is really a good technique to begin learning because it affects you in so many positive ways in so many aspects of your life. Like we said, getting through pain moments, just getting to enjoy moments in between. And we want you to have a happier life. And that's why we're here. And that's why we have this community, because ultimately we know what it's like to experience when life is not happy. And we want everyone to be able to find those little pockets of joy. So if you have a technique that you use to try to find those little moments of joy, we would love if you shared that with us and with each other on Instagram, because like we said, there's so many different ways to meditate, so many different activities you can do like Qigong or Tai Chi or yoga, where you can be in your body and being centered. So we'd love if you could share the techniques that you have with us. Maybe there's a new one that we can try. And we would absolutely love to hear if you start this journey of mindfulness, how it's going for you. We love when you reach out to us and let us know the experience that you're having with any of the things that we've shared that we try. So we would love to hear from you if this makes an improvement for you. So go be a weirdo. Go meditate. Yes. Go be mindful. We are so happy that you listen to our podcast and we are so happy to hear from you when we see you on our Instagram page, which is at 
in 16 years of endo. We are on in16years.com. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Reach out to us if you have any comments or questions, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.